0: It's July 2nd, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. The podcast where we, together, read through the one-year Bible. My name is Blake Farley. As always, we are reading out of the New Living Translation. Let's jump in with our Old Testament reading, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through chapter 22, verse 2. 2 Kings 20, verse 1. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you, and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle of the courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him. This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestors, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Make an ointment from figs, so Hezekiah's servants spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, This is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward ten steps or backward ten steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. Make it go ten steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Soon after this, Merdok Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received the Babylonian invoice, and he showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where were they from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Kind of a selfish fella, isn't he? Oh, my kids are going to be slaves? Whew, that means I'm not going to be awesome. Yeah, way to go, Hezekiah. Verse 20. The rest of the events in Hezekiah's reign, including the extent of his power and how he built a pool and dug a tunnel to bring water into the city, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. Hezekiah died, and his son Manasseh became the next king. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother was Hezebah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the detestable practices of the pagan nations, and that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. So here we get an example of a young king that was bad. Normally, we've seen that the younger they are, the better they seem to do, but not so here. Picking back up in verse 3, He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole. Just as King Ahab of Israel had done, he also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord the place where the Lord had said my name will remain in Jerusalem forever he built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire he practiced sorcery and divination and he consulted with mediums and psychics he did much that was evil in the Lord's sight arousing his anger Manasseh even made a carved image of Asherah and set it up in the temple The very place where the Lord had told David and his son Solomon, My name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws my servant Moses gave them, I will not send them into exile for this land that I gave their ancestors. But the people refused to listen, and Manasseh led them to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the people had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. Then the Lord said through his servants, the prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites, who lived in this land before Israel. He has caused the people of Judah to sin with his idols. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for Samaria and the same measure I used for the family of Ahab. I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish and turns it upside down. Then I will reject even the remnant of my own people who are left, and I will hand them over as plunder for their enemies, for they have done great evil in my sight and have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to another with innocent blood." This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. The rest of the events of Manasseh's reign and everything he did, including the sins he committed, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Manasseh died, he was buried in the palace garden, the garden of Uzziah. Then his son Ammon became the next king. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years his mother was Meshlebeth, the daughter of Haraz from Jotbah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. He followed the example of his father, worshipping the same idols his father had worshipped. He abandoned the Lord, the god of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the Lord's ways. Then Ammon's own officials conspired against him and assassinated him in the palace. But the people of the land killed all those who had conspired against King Ammon, and they made his son Josiah the next king. The rest of the events in Ammon's reign and what he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. He was buried in his tomb in the Garden of Uzzah. Then his son, Josiah, became the next king. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah from Baccheth. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. And we will continue his story tomorrow as that concludes the Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, Acts chapter 21, verses 18 through 36. The next day, Paul went with us to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God, and then they said, "'You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously.'" But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customers. What should we do? Customs, not customers. Verse 22. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, praying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual. So he publicly announced the day when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some of the Jews from the providence of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd, when the mob saw the commander and troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. Since he couldn't, be, since he couldn't find out the truth and all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. And the final psalm, Psalm 150, is where we will be today for our time in the Psalms. As always, we read these in a posture of prayer. This is the 150th Psalm, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, how fitting that this is the final Psalm, the 150th Psalm. After we've read your entire book of prayers and songs, and we've seen the whole range of emotions, Lord, we end with this. To praise you in all things, at all times. All people, everywhere. And Lord, we cannot wait until this is ultimately fulfilled when Jesus returns, and He's the glorious King of kings. And every Tongue will confess, every knee will bow, in honor, praise, and worship of the one true God, the one true King, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that those who have not trusted in you would trust in you so that they get to be a part of that glorious kingdom and that amazing family. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. Let me know what stood out to you, and we'll see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.